There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of badass power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three, four! Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And we're going to be here with you for the next hour discussing all the major happenings in the news this week, interviewing some incredible female entrepreneurs and hopefully answering some of your problems and issues. But kicking us off as ever, we're going to start with... The stories that have really caught our attention this week, and I just don't think we're ever going to stop talking about our first one, are we? Nat, what is it? The story that's unfolding and will not stop uh, giving uh, in terms of context and new names is the sexual harassment, assault and abuse cases that have come off the back of the Harvey Weinstein story that broke a, a few weeks ago. And this week, Michael Fallon resigned as defence secretary and Kevin Hopkins has been suspended from the Labour Party um, for allegations of abuse uh, or harassment. And what I find interesting is that we're starting to see this. It it started off in, in, in movies and in Hollywood and in the US. Now we've had it sort of wave across the political system. I'm yet to see it come through in the music industry in the UK music music industry I thought there'd be a number of, of, of girl bands that would say actually you know this happened with my manager or that we would start to see women in business talk about situations that they've had and I feel that people are sitting there thinking okay so this has happened to me but I'm not yet comfortable or confident enough to say this is what happened and this is who it was but I think it's going to be a slow feed slow drip story and I'm so proud of the women that are standing up and saying this has happened and in terms of context I think it's been important for other women to say if this is how you felt speak up so Andrea Ledsom said if you felt uncomfortable by a situation then it was harassment and that is your your point to to stand up and say that that something's gone on because I think that's really interesting because there's been so much in the media with people like John Humphreys John Humphreys um, saying things like, well, does this mean we can never share a flirty comment at work mm. again and other ridiculous statements? And it's not about that. It's actually about, I think it's about form of bullying. It's a form of harassment. But actually, where do we draw the line? How do you know if it's sexual harassment or how do you know if you're just being friendly and somebody's taken it the wrong way? And I I just don't think you can't not know, really. Yeah. You know, surely, Emma. Yeah, yeah, because this is a conversation that's coming up time and time again, isn't it? Especially when men are discussing the topic, they're a bit like, oh, well, I don't know what I can do. And I just like, you you know, if there's an attract, a genuine attraction with somebody that's a mutual attraction. I like that's pretty easy to read. Right. So if that's not happening, why are you even making flirty suggestive comments responding to how somebody looks visually and perhaps wanting to take them out for a drink like if it's not a, if it's not a mutual a mutual attraction then i don't think there should be anything said i but- also think where power where there's a context of power 
you an individual knows and i think it's also important to say that there are men standing up so if um, i forgot to reference kevin spacey uh and the alleged uh, uh attacks there but men are standing up and saying actually me too i was with someone who was in a position of power and he touched me in a way that i was not comfortable with but i couldn't say anything because he was the star he was the boss so it's not just limited to women although women uh, have been probably subjected to this more um so i i think it's it's really 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 important to understand that that power interplay is one of the things that for me gives it it context and Mm. helps people to understand if it's wrong young researchers being leered at by people in power there is no flirty comment that you can make that will ever make that situation right if we and there'll be people at home saying this is wrong if you're of a similar age and you are friends and there is an attraction and someone you know someone says would you like to go for a drink I think between those individuals, because there's an equal balance, it will be perceived and taken in a, in a different way. Yeah, it's a good point. It is the it's the that's the commonality, isn't it? It's the power mm. and it's the seniority of that particular perpetrator. That's the right word. The other thing that I'm like kind of bizarrely, I don't even know why I'm shocked by this. I know I shouldn't be, but I am shocked by it. What do these people think constitutes? genuine flirtation (laughs) like I've been in that situation I think we've all been in that situation where you quite fancy someone and so you try a little bit of flirting with them and they clearly don't fancy you and you go oh my gosh so sorry backing off and you know and it's a bit awkward and you all feel a bit embarrassed but you're okay but you start slow on the the flirtation right you start with the you know I'm just thinking if you were free for a drink sometime that would be lovely you don't start with your legs look great in that skirt do you no and I'm thinking I'm the perfect age to be predatory now (laughs) (laughs) I just couldn't be be as bold as these guys are like I just I said this about Harvey I was like where do they get the audacity and the confidence like oh some of these men like really are you that confident about yourself it's the power it's the power that they are feeding off and that is what makes this dark and Mm. that is what makes it uh not an honest flirt but makes it a knowing um uh domination yeah okay so i don't know what do you think about that listeners do you think where is the line what for you is an honest flirt and how do we actually start teaching some of these men that that's the line and that's where they should be because i i just i don't think they do know i just think they don't know um, our second story is, I really like this one. So last week, if you were listening last week, you will have heard us talk about the Oxford reading list and the campaign to actually make it less male and less white. And I think actually when we left, we thought about how all reading lists all the way through up through school, through university, all seem to be kind of the same writers kind of repeated. Um, but there is one amazing magazine which is about to change that. So Diva, uh, an incredible magazine that's been going for a few years now, aimed at gay and bisexual women, has launched its first ever literary festival celebrating the works of lesbian and bisexual women writers we're so excited and tell us a bit more about it we have carrie the editor of diva hi carrie hi there Uh, so tell us a little bit about this festival and why you decided to start it well i mean i feel like we all feel like there hasn't really been enough um kind of to celebrate generally the sort of cultural achievements of lesbian and bisexual women um and particularly around publishing so we felt like we were in a good position to do something about that and that's why we started the festival really what would you like to see happen from this festival because it's great to do a kind of one day two day event but actually how do we get more amazing lesbian and bisexual writers how do we kind of raise their profile well we kind of hope that this will be the first step to taking us out of the shadows and you know hopefully the authors who are coming along this weekend will inspire some of the audience members to maybe you know tell their own stories write their own books um, and you know, take that out into the wider world and give them the platform to to you know tell the stories that they're telling, let the world know about the stories they're telling. And if we were to look out for one writer, who would be top of the list? Oh well, we've got so many sort of talented people coming this weekend. I'm really excited about speaking to Liz Kessler. Uh, she writes a lot of sort of children, young adult books. Uh, Mary Hannah, she's quite an established crime writer, but 
Um, she's one of my favourites. Obviously, we've got some big hitters coming, like Val McDermott and Stella Duffy. But also, up-and-coming writers like Rita Lowe, um, who's one of our columnists, and also Lucy Sutcliffe, who, she's a YouTuber who's written a book about sort of coming out and coming to terms with their sexuality. And I'm just really excited about the, the kind of breadth of talent that we've got, really. Amazing. And if um, any of our listeners want to know a bit more about it, where can they find out more? Well, head over to the website. It's www.divaliteraryfestival.com. Uh, we've still got some tickets available for some of the panels and events this weekend. And you can also pick up tickets on the door. So if you're in Birmingham, come along. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Carrie. I hope it goes really well. Uh, our third story this week, Ems, what is it? Oh, this I love is this story. Probably one of the most badass stories we've ever done. There was a beauty pageant in Peru, and the contestants got up, and where normally they would say their kind of measurements, they actually uh, gave um, measurements in terms of uh, shocking statistics on femicide. Now, I've got to admit, I had to look up the word femicide because I'd not heard that before. Am I a bit of a Luddite? Is that like... No, give us a definition. Well, femicide is basically the killing of women and girls on account of their gender. And this is happening all over the world. So um, let me find a stat for you. So Camilla Kanakoba, Miss Peru Lima, added, My measurements are 2,202 cases of femicide reported in the last nine years in my country. So all of these contestants just got up and gave these measurements. What a really incredible thing to come together and do that to highlight femicide. Because they had a platform where they were ultimately there to talk about beauty um, and sell themselves as women. And they realised that actually probably based on the you know in a post-Trump world it's not enough to just sell your beauty actually you need to look behind you and see what's going on with the rest of the women around the world and specifically in in Peru and I think each of them standing up and saying this number of women were killed this number of women were abused this number of women are still missing it says actually it doesn't it doesn't matter how big my boobs are or how small my waist is or how big my butt and hips are whatever the three measurements are what is important is that women are dying every single moment and they used that platform and subverted it in the most badass way ever yeah and what i really like about it is this idea that so often we expect beautiful women to be silent mm. so beautiful women are essentially pictures we put them on posters mm-hmm. you know we use them for ad campaigns we expect beautiful women to be silent silent and if you've got a point to make actually for women we generally consider them to be a bit kind of blue stocking not as attractive What's a bit blue booker, stocking a bit bookish oh but, yeah. i've never heard that before mm. okay yeah uh comes from the days when women first went to university oh. uh <laughs> yeah so a bit blue stocking uh and so this is actually twisting it and saying no it's not about beauty or brains it's actually about using everything you've got to really highlight what's what is going on with women in your country. Good for them. We love this. Yep. In the final round of the competition, they were asked to discuss how they would best combat femicide. And Miss Peru 2018 organiser Jessica Newton said, everyone who does not denounce and everyone who does not do something to stop this is an accomplice. Mm. Amazing. Amazing, incredible badass women. We love them. Well done, ladies. And so that is our news roundup for this week. If you're interested in anything particular, you've got some thoughts or comments, do tweet us at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour. Um, coming up, we are talking, I mean, honestly, we're talking boobs. Lovely. Boobs and bras. <laughs> boobs and bras. They're my second favourite thing to vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some amazing bra entrepreneurs, bra Brapreneurs. Bra- 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 That's great. That's a whole new category. Bra-preneurs. Isn't it? We've got some brapreneurs bra- <laughs> to really talk to us about actually why the lingerie market is booming and what needs to change in it. That is coming up on the show next. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And this week we are also joined by the founders of Atollo Lingerie, Florette Mulcahy and Alice Holden. Hello ladies. Hello. (laughs) So uh, Florette, tell us a little bit about what Atollo is for those who don't know. So, Atollo was founded by me and Alice because we both have a small band and a large cup size. So, I'm a 28 double F, Alice is a 30 double G. 
and it was so hard to find bras that were beautiful but that were also flattering enough to wear every day because for those of you in those sizes you know that it's a sea of beige Lots of plain things, lots of frumpy straps, and we just thought that had to change. So Atollo was founded by D-plus women for D-plus women to give them underwear they could finally be comfortable in. Amazing. And Alice, what was your experience in this before you did it? Neither of us had experience <laughs> professionally in sort of underwear, lingerie, or fashion or design. However, we both were incredibly experienced customers <laughs> at hating lingerie <laughs> in our sizes. So both of us have actually been D plus for 11 years. So we have 22 combined years of being customers, knowing what the competitors are, knowing what, how the high street sells lingerie. And then on the journey of Atole, we became professional bra fitters because we felt that we needed to be able to understand women's needs, how they needed to feel in their fit and the style of lingerie. And that's really helped us with Atole. So now we have lots of experience, but prior to Atole, <laughs> zero except loving our boobs, hating all lingerie that they were in. And um, so I think it's really because you are both very young your first time entrepreneurs really very yep. young uh, you actually came on the show because Emma our amazing Emma is creative in residence at King's College London and so you met her kind of training that way is that right? Yeah you're part of the accelerator programme there aren't you or you were last year and then Yes so King, King's have been so so supportive for us um, throughout the founding of Atollo and kind of teaching us about business and how we should do our business plans and things they've been a real support so um, thank you Emma for being creative in residence because <laughs> you've been such a help to us already. That's good. And t so tell us about your entrepreneurial journey, particularly around investment, because it's always tricky when you have a product, a company that creates a product, because you have to find money to create that product before you can sell anything. So that's always tricky. So tell us a bit about that journey of, you know, raising funds um, and, and getting those that first product range launched. So fundraising is a little bit of a minefield. Initially, we did get Virgin startup loans so that we could fund the production process for the samples. So we used that to get the samples and then we used the samples to show our ideas to investors. Um, and what we did find is that so many investors are interested in tech. So they want the latest kind of Uber or an app and we are just not that. And our advice is almost like um, kind of finding a boyfriend. You've just got to be yourself and just be confident in yourself and your idea and you will attract the right investors. We were really lucky to find our investors at the beginning of 2016. Um, they're our seed investors, and now we're actually raising again. So if any women are very passionate about D-plus lingerie, please do let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And how did you find pitching bras to what predominantly, we hear a lot of talk about investors, and predominantly investors are men. Uh, there seems to be a lack of female investors, and no one really is understanding why. How, how tricky was that? A nightmare. Absolute <laughs> nightmare. Because ultimately, Atollo is a very emotional business. It's our personal story and it's a very intimate product that's ultimately about altering ladies' confidence because they felt very underconfident and felt very self-conscious. Emotions are things that sometimes male investors, they don't link with actually an investment meeting because they're thinking about numbers. They're thinking very, very numerically and not the feeling emotional um, and the emotional journey that customers have when they purchase lingerie. So meant that we were kind of pitching to middle-aged white men pretty much that didn't understand our younger demographic and they didn't understand what it was like to have D-plus boobs. So we had a little bit of a mismatch in terms of what they were trying to understand from us and what we were trying to communicate and how they could understand how that was actually a profitable business. So instead of actually just us preaching to them about our emotional journey and them not getting it, we thought, fine, you need to feel pain. <laughs> so we asked one of our potential investors, their PA, what his shoe size was. You went out and bought him some Converse's that were two sizes, too small purposefully. And we asked him at the beginning of the meeting, we've got a gift for you and as part of our pitch, you have to wear it for two hours so he wore these shoes for the two hours and we said how are you feeling he was like oh they feel fine where we were sort of thinking oh no you shouldn't be feeling fine it should be really painful right now to plow on um and then at the sort of about an hour and a half into the meeting goes sort of put up his hand look quite sort of sheepish and was like um can I ask a question my um feet are numb can I um take the shoes off now <laughs> well I said how do they feel they said they kill I can't feel them they hurt they're painful I'm gonna get blisters I'm like right fundamentally bras are a pain point for ladies and we've hated this lingerie for 10 years so every day we're wearing bras for maybe 16 hours of a day that's 16 hours every single day for 10 years do the maths that's an awful long time when women hate something you've had that on for two hours that's two hours of our 16 hours every single day and at that point he got the pain point he realized this was a pain in the backside for ladies and actually 
he invested that day so i am absolutely woman crushing on you both right now because you have said everything that all entrepreneurs male or female need to know about starting a business a it's your experience why are you doing this and you have lived with something and said this is wrong i'm going to fix it and you're fixing it is the is the only thing that you needed and then you really put yourself in the position of the people you were talking to you didn't say what you wanted to say you said what they needed to hear and what they needed to hear is this hurts and if it hurts then people want an alternative and we have that alternative and there's volume because there are lots of women that are experiencing this and those are the gold that's the golden 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 thread so anyway so i'm just over here like <laughs> loving you both right now what i want to know is more about the products what's in what's in the lines um is this a lifestyle brand are you sticking with lingerie give me give me the world domination pitch <laughs> so our big atollo world domination plan is to produce everything that a d plus woman needs to put her boobs in so Bras, swimwear, nightwear, sportswear, shapewear, maternity bras and mastectomy bras. We will get to all of it because it's so, so difficult to find anything in those size ranges that fit, especially when you get to the 30 back and the 28 back. And um, we really do see Atollo blossoming into a lifestyle brand and following us as we get older. So we, you know, we need to wear some nice maternity bras when the time comes. Um, so that's our big plan, really. And what makes us different is that our products are designed specifically for women with a small band size and a large cup size. So there's, they're designed to give you fantastic uplift, and you're not going to see any thick, chunky straps on our bras because women don't like them, mm. and you don't need them if your bra is actually fitting you correctly because 80% of the weight of your bust is held in the band and that's why it's really important that you're wearing the correct band size so guys we're going to fit you all yeah. after so we're so excited to <laughs> what should we be looking for in that so if it is well, underhang overhang how do you know that your bra is not fitting <laughs> so many different clues so number one thing that's really obvious to tell if you've got an ill-fitting bra if you've got four boobs fundamentally you're in the wrong size your cup size is too small if at the back of your bra it's arching up your back so it's slightly riding up there's not a clean line across it's actually just an arch that says that your band size is too big now majority of ladies are wearing band sizes one to two maybe three sizes too big for them largely because most high street retailers are incorrectly fitting ladies because it's easier to make the sell and fit them into their limited size range than to actually accurately fit them and educate them so majority of ladies are told you may be a 34b or 34d and actually if you're 34b measured there but you're actually measuring about 28 inches around your band you're more likely to be about a 28 double d or a 28 e so it's your sister size so if you've got four boobs your cup's too small is an instant thing if the band is rising at the back that means your band is too big if you then also can pull out your bra so that you actually can sort of make your boobs jiggle and you can fit in two full fists underneath your band, fundamentally we need to get you into probably two to three sizes smaller. Okay. Can we see some samples? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> samples. We I'm also <laughs> feeling my boobs right now. I'm pulling my bra to see what's happening. Do you know happening. what's really terrible? I've just... I've just realised I'm wearing a sports bra this morning. <laughs> because I literally got up. I haven't, you didn't even think about it. Pulled on the first bra that came to my hand from the drawer and left the house. But I went to, I remember going to M&S and getting fitted when I was younger and I've always had quite generous boobs and I wore the wrong size bra for so many years and it had such an effect on me. I just didn't realise. I went and got it what I thought was properly fitted and when I finally found a right bra fit, it totally changed my life. Mm. Well, what's completely crazy is so many women think that a bra should hurt and it actually shouldn't and it's because we're not actually taught as women how a bra should fit one thing that every woman can do every woman listening all of you guys in the studio right now if you try and see how many fingers you can put in the back of your bra Mm. if you can fit more than two fingers from both hands under your band you are wearing the wrong band size. Mm. Come to a Harlow and what's not. So let's now. have a look because this is very delicate. What we've got here, isn't it? So, so these are our knickers. Those are gorgeous. And everything's co-designed with customers. Our, our so you've got like see these. I'm going to tell you, you've no, got but really you lovely kind of lacy pant, and then this beautiful silk waistband. That's stunning. They're kind of really 
They're soft and silky. I like it. They are wonderful. So the satin, which is from an Italian supplier, actually comes from Lake Como, which we found out. And it's the most beautiful butter soft satin that's really, really premium. We have bespoke different prints that we've designed with our customers. Um, and we continue to work with this supplier because the feeling Amazing. of that satin on your skin, it's got no extra elastic band in it because the quality is so high that it'll give you seamless lines under your clothes. You can wear it under your jeans. So today we're both wearing jeans. I'm in white jeans so I've got the light blue one on you can't see it under white florets and black jeans she wears navy because that is a huge bugbear as well because yeah. the thing I'm really interested in so I'm looking at one of your bras now and I'm not saying that I doubted your thin straps line but I doubted it <laughs> um, because you know I've got like to put it mildly big boobs huge boobs and I like you know they've got like a two inch strap just to keep them vaguely off my knees um but what I'm looking at here is actually you've got a lot more material going round into the what do we call this bit the, the band. band the band into the, there's a lot more material in the band and that allows you to have the thinner strap that's genius yeah so what we've done that before exactly, that's exactly <laughs> because women haven't been designing bras before <laughs> yeah so yeah. one of the earliest things that we always thought, thought founding a Tolo was if as a species we can get a man on the moon, why on earth can't we get D plus women oh my God. with perky boobs? We are the boobs? same person. I say this all the time. <laughs> I say it all the That's time. Like the if we can put the man on the moon, we can make everything <laughs> else happen. The engineering feats are so disproportionate. Boobs, simply, they can look amazing if you put your hands on them and you adjust them the way you like them. Therefore, yeah. if we can get humans onto a moon boobs can all look amazing no matter the but shape also size. you've nailed the shape because that's the other thing with larger boobs you can get bras that kind of push them out sideways and I must admit whenever I see you two I always think god their boobs look amazing <laughs> so we have this test which is personal pet hate of, hate of both of us is when you've got really really wide bra that sets you wide apart and gives you big separation some ladies like that, but we personally don't. However, when we're designing this bra, we have this swinging arm test. So if you swing your arms beside oh, yeah. you, if you can feel your boobs and your arms restricted, we design away from that. So we wanted full arm movement because mm. at home we couldn't even get to appliances or plugs behind certain <laughs> cabinets because our boobs and our bras were so wide. If we wore a different bra, we could actually get to that plug. So that's how it I love, it I love this. So if anyone is listening and they need this in their life, and actually, to be honest, I think if you have a... Even slightly outsized boob size, you definitely do. Uh, where can they get hold of it? Where can we find you? You can find us online at www.atololaundry.com. And we also have an open office policy. So if you'd like to be fitted for a bra, you can come into our office in Aldwych, Hoban, or we can come to you. Amazing. We love that. Uh, you guys staying with us to help us with a few of our little problems next because we are doing our badass bulls up that's coming up next where we try and use our combined wisdom to help you out to find the solutions to your biggest, biggest problems because um, we've already solved one today. We've already solved where to get the bra if you've got bigger boobs. We're just going to go on and solve a whole load more. <laughs> um, so the fabulous ladies from Atollo will be staying with us for that and that's coming up after this break. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And this week we also have the fabulous Florette Mulcahy and Alice Holden from Atollo Lingerie <laughs> with us. Thank you so much for being here, ladies. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> so this is the part of our show where we try and use our combined wisdom to help you guys out. It's our... What is it? It's our badass balls up. Bad moment there. Is that one? <laughs> Distracted by boobs. Re- like there is so many boobs in this room. I can't tell you. Um, it's our badass balls up, and we're going to try and answer some kind of quite serious problems this week. I think we've got some good ones. Emma, mm. what have you got to start us off with? Okay, here's a good one for you. Uh, this comes from Victoria, and this came uh, to us via Twitter. She said, "Should I train as a coach? It seems to be what lots of people are doing, and I'm wondering if I should look into a training course on this too." Uh, so I wonder what you thought about this because you're a trained coach, aren't you? I um, am a trained coach. Um, so I trained as a coach about I got you two years ago now um, when I just was about to leave my job and I thought, well, if I leave this and I do something else, what do I want to do? And so I thought I would become a coach and I did that because I'd received coaching and I really, really loved it. Um, so what I would say is, are you thinking about training to be a coach because you think the skills would be useful or because you want to do it as a career? And if you want to do it as a career, that's great. It can be a fantastic career, but it is hard work. And it's sort of like, I feel it's a bit like, oh, I'm going to train as a PT. Lots of people decide they're going to train as PTs, but actually the number of people making money as a PT is pretty small. And it's the same for coaching. Like, don't think you will be doing, you'll train and then you'll be charging 500 quid an hour to 20 clients the next week because it doesn't work like that. No. But it is amazing and it gives you incredible life skills. Yeah, I'm, I trained as a coach because I thought that I wanted to be a life coach because all my mates were like, oh, you just always, you should be a life coach. <laughs> Who's giving us advice? I was like, yeah, all right, then I could do that. Yeah. Just swan around and talk to people and get payloads of money per hour. And I absolutely loved the training. Like it really did. I learned so much and the questioning and active listening are life skills that I use every day. And I think they make me much better in my job and in life in general. But actually being a life coach, you, you really do have to have a you do have to think about it as a as an entrepreneur really yeah Yeah. you're building a business that's what you're doing i went down the journey of the pt thing again exactly that i love fitness i i want to be in gyms and speak to people and motivate them and this is great and then you realize no it's a business this isn't this isn't fun and games and a laugh and something you can dip in and dip out to and going through the training and realizing everything that i needed to know i was like maybe not so much um (laughs) And it, that is my advice to someone that wants to go into coaching. You, this, you need to want to do it as a career. This isn't a half-hearted, oh, I don't really know what I want to do, but I like talking to people, I like helping them sort of situation. Commit to it, love it, build a business out of it, and then you will be a better coach to the people that you are there to support. Or do the training to find out that you don't want to do it. Yeah, and it is amazing. So I actually still work as a coach and I really enjoy it. And it's the most fabulous job because you're helping people all the time and you get to do it from wherever and you work with some incredible people but it is hard work Mm. building that is hard work ladies you built a business and something that you kind of knew about from your personal experience but not from a business experience do you think it's really important to have a personal love for it or is it more important to have the training and experience in place a hundred percent it's more important to absolutely be passionate about mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. um when you're learning new skills when you're doing something new going out on the path untrodden <laughs> it's so so important that every single day you have that fire behind you to do it and do it well and it's i mean from founding a business it's really difficult it's a roller coaster and for us every single day we put a bra on and when we were developing bras every day we were putting competitive bras on Mm. and that was just an absolute fire to think oh my god i can't wear these forever somebody needs to do something better we are going to do something better and you need something that you absolutely believe in so i would say if if the coaching question is a question that you need to ask how much do you actually want to do it Good point. Good question. Good point. Good question. Uh, excellent. Now, what is our next question? So this comes from Sharma on Instagram. I'm feeling really low and depressed after several months of things just not going right. My in-laws have been ill. My dad is just recovering from a stroke. Even my dog needed to go to the vets. On top of that, I've got some health challenges which make me feel anxious. Life feels really hard work and I keep bursting into tears. I've even had a panic attack at home. How do I get back on track to a more relaxed, happy life? Oh, Shama, 
oh, oh I'm so sorry. We first of all, I just want to say I think we all have those moments where it just feels life is relentless. Mm. It's never gonna end. Yeah, yeah. Alice, have you had that, and how do you cope with it? Yeah, we we've definitely. I think as any business owner has like some really really low points and financial low points where mm-hmm. you're personally um, in a very in- unstable place. Your health suffers. Your relationships suffer. Um, I remember personally two, three years ago, in one day, our our business almost completely collapsed and we were almost bankrupt. We almost were in a bit of a legal situation and then my boyfriend broke up with me. And it was the day where the, the two personal <sighs> things in my life that I had built myself independently. Mm. And at that point, you think your entire sort of world has just come crumbling down out of your control, even though you've been sort of fighting it and you've put your heart and soul into both things every day of that and so I think at that point and we had no money we had no money in the bank account we were on porridge and bananas for lunch and dinner (laughs) so you felt low and you didn't know how you could get out of that and my um, solution is what my mum taught me which was write a letter Mm. so she said write a letter to yourself about how you feel and you don't have to show anybody it but you can have it for yourself and when things get better you can read it and rewrite another letter to say things went well and why things are going really well and how life feels and how you feel in your confidence and your health and your life and then you can have the two as comparisons because life is always a roller coaster and so then once I got to that high point then I got to a new low point then I wrote another letter and you could see the high point and you could see the low point retrospectively so you could see how you came out oh, of it your advice so. to yourself and you could kind of use um, I guess your inner strength from the past self to kind of tackle the next challenges that's lovely yeah. I think personally I've been doing um I've had a bit of an up and down year myself and I've used journaling as a way to like help me through those dark days and there is something about physically writing down and I write and I can't even read my writing I don't correct it I just write and I work through all the emotions and it's really been a really powerful way to just really shift my mindset and help me help me through those days that are tough so that that can be something that really works too So my thing, Sharma, that I would say to you is have some time with yourself. Sit on the sofa in your pants uh, (laughs) with some kettle chips, whatever beverage of your choice, and just be with yourself. Centre yourself, ground yourself, and maybe have some silence and do exactly that. Reflect on what is making you feel like this, but also think about times when you felt amazing what what were you doing during that time and then maybe just put some of those opportunities in the diary hang out with friends go for a walk and it it might just be that you need to mind shift mind, mind shift set uh to get back to that more relaxed happy place mm. it's not that easy is. being a grown-up is it it's oh, not God, mate what? i hope it gets better for you we feel you we have all been there um, so our final problem this week comes from comes from Lynn on Twitter and she says I have heard you all mention before how important it is to surround yourself with the right people I work at a creative agency and the people I work with are really not the types I would ideally surround myself with one is an especially moody creative director yeah. shall I leave for a work environment I'm more suitable for should she stay or should she go mm. Atollo ladies you work together you surround mm-hmm. yourself basically what did you say you had this great line about Breast friends. Breast friends. <laughs> Breast friends and propreneurs. Um, does that make work easier? Is it important, the people that you then bring into that as well? It's so important. Yeah. And the hours that we work, we probably spend more time with each other than our boyfriends and our mm-hmm. families. And the amount of your life that you spend working, it's so important to enjoy it and to love it. And, um, you know, you don't want the years to clock by and think, oh, my God, I wish I had left this sooner. Um I would I would really consider making a move um, because I, I the way I live my life I don't want to have regrets basically yeah. oh and I think if you're <laughs> <laughs> just on the same wave aren't we <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's so important to surround yourself with people who are striving towards the same goal and um, I really really hope that you find some people who you feel more aligned with because you'll feel better as a person you'll do better as a person and I hope you figure it out soon. I, I think find some people that you love. Yeah, yeah. Life is too short. Emma, mm. you'd go, wouldn't you? I would, but I think it's hard. It's hard when you're at a creative agency. I think because a lot of your career depends on the work that you're doing. So I, 
if Lynn is really enjoying the projects that she's doing, and that's a particularly interesting company, then I think that will be a much harder decision for her to make. And then I would be more inclined to focus less on those people you're working with every day and who are you surrounding yourself with outside work. Um, so, yeah, so that would be my, my caveat to that. You know, sometimes it's not always easy to leave if you're doing the work that you really love. Can you find a way of making it easier while you're there, Nat? Is it is there stuff she can do, even if she's starting to look to kind of change how she feels about it while she's in the situation? See if you can find some common ground. So even if they're not your type of people socially, actually you must be able to bond over client projects or creative output or you know a mutual hatred of a certain person in the organization whatever it is whatever gives you some water cooler moments and and a place where you can kind of have some uh, some connection that might be one way to to make work easier but i'm 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 with you guys i wouldn't stay somewhere that didn't give me the right amount of joy because life is too short we only have one we do only have one and it is short and florette did you have something you want to add yes, yes i have Don't a really really good quote so Jo Malone in her book mm. is talking about some hard times that she oh, went God, I through. I read the book too. She talks about some hard times that she's gone through in her life and she said that something that really resonated with her was thinking, I can either change my mindset or I can change my environment. And it's like what you were saying, Natalie, try and find some common ground with your colleagues while you're there. But I would also say start looking for something else so you can change your environment. Yeah, love that. Change your mindset or change your environment. That's excellent advice. Advice for life, I think. <laughs> um, so we need to say a fantastic and huge round of thanks and applause to the fabulous Woo! women from Italian Laundry. Uh, we've loved it, and I genuinely. I mean, I know we say we love people's products when they come on here, but I mean, we're basically all yeah, logging onto the yeah. website and buying it. Already <laughs> pre-ordered their entire range. <laughs> <laughs> it is really good stuff. Um, Coming up, we're nearly towards the end of the show, but we never like to leave without our backdated badass of women from history that you really need to know about. Uh, so that is coming up after this. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Women's Hour, three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here at Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm still joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell and we're heading towards the end of tonight's show. But before we do, we have some very important stuff to talk about. The first of which is this week's Backdated Badass, a woman from history that you absolutely need to know about. And this week's is brought to us by journalist and writer Alex O'Neill. Hi, Alex. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. Who are you talking about this week? So, I'm speaking about Count, uh, Constance Markovich. She's better known as Countess Markovich, um, the rebel countess. And she was an Anglo-Irish suffragette who played a major role in the Irish Revolution. And it's actually very timely looking at her life right now because she was the first woman elected to the House of Commons. And it was just last week that Theresa May said she plans to celebrate her centenary next year. Um, and she was also the second woman in the world to hold a cabinet position. So she was quite an impressive lady. Amazing. And what was her kind of political leanings? Tell us a little bit about how she got involved in politics and what she was most interested in. So she was very much interested in the Irish nationalist movement, but she wasn't always like that because she was born into a very privileged family in London in 1868. Um, and what got her into, um, I guess, socialism and nationalism was her, her dad owned an estate in County Sligo in Ireland. And during the famine, he gave out free food for tenants which was very rare for a landowner to do back then. Yeah. And that really ignited her, her social conscience. Um, and when she moved back to Dublin, so she spent a bit of time training as an artist in London and in Paris, where she met her husband. And when they moved back to Dublin, they started moving in very artistic and creative circles. And that's what ignited her her, her socialism, I guess. And it was a time when Ireland was um, undergoing um, a lot of political upheaval. You know, there was a move for independence. And she became really engaged in that and wanted to not only help the poor, but um, to secure independence for Ireland. So, um, yeah, and at the same time, she was a suffragette as well. So she was involved in the women's movement. So uh, she was very political, um, which was very rare for someone of her privileged background. And it must have been quite extraordinary as well for her to hold those views within that background. Because as you said, you, during the famine in Ireland, that kind of level of generosity and that understanding that actually you had to give to the people on your land as well was just it wasn't common at all so how did her kind of how did her family and her the people that she surrounded herself with how did they react to that 
So it was interesting. Her sister was actually very political and was very much involved in the women's movement in the UK. Um, and they both um, were, were crucial in um, blocking Churchill's uh, initial, um, <clears throat> sorry, in blocking Churchill's initial um, uh, ascendance into into government, really. Um, so they turned up at uh, an event and it was very theatrical and they turned up in a, a, a old-fashioned horse and carriage drawn by four white horses um, to, to stage a protest against him because, of course, at the time he was um, anti-women's uh, women's progression and the women's vote. Um, and I remember there was, some, there was some guy, a male heckler in the crowd, and it was like, do you know how to cook dinner? And she was like, do you know how to drive a, a carriage in four? Um, so <laughs> she... She, um, I think, surprised a lot of people. So the first time that she turned up at this um, organisation called the Daughters of Ireland, um, which was about um, sort of women helping other women um, and progressing the, the socialist cause, um, she turned up in a, in a ball gown and a, tiara, a diamond tiara. And I think everybody <laughs> at the time, they were a bit surprised. Um, and I just think they thought she was another privileged woman, kind of, this was a hobby and she wouldn't be interested, it wouldn't last long. And she proved them all wrong. She really did. Um, she ended up sort of dying penniless. She gave everything away. So she really lived by her, her ideals. Emma. I love uh, in the notes that we've got here that she had this uh, famous, she was quite famous for her speeches. In one of them, she encouraged college women in Dublin to dress suitably in short skirts and strong boots, <laughs> leave your jewels and gold wands in the bank and buy a revolver. Rules for life. The modern live fight. Yeah, she was fantastic. She really, she, she was badass, properly badass. And she spent uh, quite a few uh, stints in prison. So Mountjoy... Aylesbury mm-hmm. and uh, Holloway and she was also sentenced to death to which she also had you know a, a, a pithy reply when she said I do wish your lot would I do wish your lot had the decency to shoot me because her mm-hmm. um, her her death sentence was actually changed to, to life based on the fact that she was a woman and just you yeah. know reading all of this her her fight her, her sort of you know, get on with it. Yeah, I, I, fight I'm, for equality. Yeah. I'm not sure I believe in equality. There's a choice between the death sentence or not. <laughs> she, it, it, she seems relentless in her cause to make sure things happened regardless. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, she, she was imprisoned actually four times. Um, she was on a hunger strike. Um, she really fought for what she believed in. Um, you know, and, and, and to, yeah, to go as far to say, I wish I had the decency to shoot me. And she... She lived by what she preached, absolutely. Um, and she was crucial in, in the Easter Rising, which was, was a six-day armed struggle. It was an attempt to overthrow British rule. Mm. And that was a real turning point in British and Irish history. Um, and she, you know, she was one of only 70 women prisoners put into solitary confinement. She was key um, to, to the Irish Revolution. And yet she's been, like a lot of Irish women, like a lot of women throughout history, to a large extent, written out of the history books. What's the one thing that kind of really drew you to her? What was it about her that really you feel connected to? So I grew up in Northern Ireland and I went to university in Dublin. And, um, you know, there were so many amazing Irish women who've contributed such a huge amount to, to the country's culture and politics. And yet their achievements were never really acknowledged. And, you know, women like Markovic, they, you know, they were driving force in the Irish Revolution, but they were silenced as soon as the Catholic Church took hold post-independence and, and very much largely confined to the home. And what I love about her was that she came from this privileged background. You know, she, she didn't have to, to get stuck in and vote. You know, she didn't have to help anyone. She could have had a very cushy life, but she wasn't afraid to hitch up her skirts and, and fight. And she made this speech in the Irish government in 1922, which I, I, I think was very prescient at the time. She said that there was less physical restraint on the actions of women in Ireland than in any other country, but mentally the restrictions were very oppressive. And if you think about it, Irish women historically were underrepresented in public life for years. You know, they had to develop their jobs in the public sector when they got married. They were sentenced to life in the Magdalene laundries. They weren't even allowed to drink Guinness in pubs. You know, they, they were effectively silenced. And and she refused to shut up. She she could have had an easy life and didn't and chose to fight. Um, and I think, yeah, I think she was just kick-ass. <laughs> she definitely is. She is a true badass. Thank you so much for introducing us to her we love her thank you alex (laughs) so i mean i i just can't get over how amazing this week's spectator badass was actually like just really fighting for something yeah um 
so if you want to hear more of our backdated badasses by the way you can always download the podcast all the episodes are there download it from itunes hear some more from us uh we're coming towards the end of the show it is time obviously for the most important part of the week the thing you're going to live your life by for the next seven days (laughs) it is the badass principle now what is it this week the badass principle this week is dare yourself and this one was actually sent uh via twitter and i thought it was very brilliant um and it really does connect with both our backdated badass and you know the the brapreneurs we've just had on the show because they have all they've all said I want this thing to change. This thing needs to be different and I'm going to, to make it happen regardless. And I almost can hear them daring themselves to, to fight and to do things differently, whether it's challenging an investor or challenging the state. So dare yourself is the badass principle this week. Love it. Emma, what does it mean for you? Uh, I really like this one, mainly because this week I chaired a panel at General Assembly with female entrepreneurs and we had Emily Forbes, who's the founder of Scene It, which is an incredible business. And we were talking about women and confidence, which gets said, said a lot and Emily said I like to think not about confidence because I think it's really difficult for me to identify with that because it feels like I have to really burst into a room and she talked a lot about bravery so I feel like dare to me is about you know being brave and I think that being brave and daring yourself to do stuff is a lot is a lot easier to get your head around than someone telling you to be confident Mm. so I would say dare yourself to kind of push yourself forward get yourself out of your comfort zone I really like it because my mind being typically annoying, sometimes when I don't want to do stuff, the way that I have to talk to myself in order to get me to do it is I have to dare myself. So I have to say, (laughs) well, I don't think you can do it, Harriet. And then another part of my mind goes, actually, yes, I can. And I'm going to prove you wrong. And I've got this thing that I've been sitting on for a while and I sort of keep trying to pull out it and I just go away from it and come back to it and go away from it and come back to it. So this week I'm going to dare myself to do it <laughs> and see if that makes a difference. <laughs> uh, let us know what you are going to dare yourself with this week. We want to hear about it. You can find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR, at Badass Women's Hour, or you can find us on Instagram as well. We post lots of pics there. Uh, Instagram stories are very good. I Actually, I don't... I don't do our Instagram stories shout out to Nat and Emma for being brilliant on our Instagram <laughs> stories but they are excellent um, you can find us on Facebook too it's Badass Women's Hour we're on all the social media or you can come talk to us individually because we love that I'm at Harriet Minter Nat at Nat D Campbell and Emma at Emma Sexton and we'll be here again same time same place with the Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio she'll get you talking Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.